0: Ray there would give a, um, a testimony real quick uh, sarah has got the microphone for her. just a, a quick and a quick word about our trip there what your thoughts were Ray maybe that things on speak into it there Papa Noel all
1: right uh, we went to Peru um, uh, the 9th and we got back on the 19th and uh, I had the best support group that I could have went with at that pre- present time because of some of the travel if one of them was in the front and one in the rear helping me get up or down a hill, uh, they was on each side of me helping me get up and down because there were some pretty bad places. And if they wasn't there, I wouldn't have been able, I don't think, unless God just picked me up and put me up there. <laughs> but uh, we reached some people back in the jungle where they don't have the uh, uh, opportunity to uh, go to church every day. They, they, they don't have the um, the people teaching to them, and that's the one part that bothers me, because after we leave, what kind of follow-up is going to happen out in the jungle? And they'll fall right back into the trap that they're in. And we pray that doesn't happen. Uh, we pray that somebody within uh, their little gathering of people will try to put the message of jesus christ for we pray that we uh and we went to different places and different things and uh we prayed for this uh, gentleman that uh had broke his foot went to their house and everything and uh, that came out very well and the guy was thankful to me to as old as i am to be able to do the things that we done and and uh it, just, it was like that the whole way. They couldn't believe that I was over there doing that. And I, I love doing it. I love the jungle part, Even though it's treacherous, I love doing it because I know that we're reaching people that don't know Jesus Christ. And that's what the whole thing was again. I want to thank Dale and Warren for being there. And I want to thank the Lord for putting them there because without them, I don't think I'd have made the trip. Uh, thank
0: you, Brother Ray. Uh, little kids okay so this is our uh, we did have a good trip and and uh, we're gonna make a video Warren's a little a little peaked there we all a little a little sickly there coming back but um, Warren's uh, throat's a little scratchy and coughing still so we're gonna wait uh, uh, till after the first year we're gonna have a video ready for you then and we'll we'll uh, we'll show you all the stuff and the things that happen that we can as best we can there and give some better testimonies there but this morning uh, before you kids leave I want to I want to uh, I want to start on our thing of Advent. If we if we handed out our things there, if we need our whippersnappers, one for family, guys, one for family. And uh, I wanted to ask a question about the about Christmas to young people. Um, you got, I mean, where's our, our littlest people? I want to speak to them. You, you bigger-sized yeah. bigger people, you just, uh, they're, they're getting both of those, aren't they? Is that four? Is four right oh, that was three. I don't know. Oh, man. All right, we're going to. Doing a do-over. That makes it exciting. All right, kids. I need a kid. Actually, Aubrey gave me a great one this morning. Uh, where are you at, Aubrey? Oh, come here, Aubrey. I've almost, almost got to set this up here. Come on. Hurry, Aubrey, hurry. Hurry. They're waiting. I'm going to ask Aubrey this question, and then somebody else can answer too. Uh, maybe an older person could answer this question. Don't cry, Aubrey. Don't be scared. I want you to tell us, Ovs, what your favorite... Christmas gift is ever. No crying.
2: Um, I, so I know what present one of the presents my grandma's going to give me this year because <laughs> uh-huh. of the packaging but I found it out and I'm really happy to get it because it was I think it was my great grandmother's necklace and it's really expensive and um, mm-hmm. I'm happy for it's that to fun. be so it's, what it looks like. it's a real diamond and it's in the shape of a heart and um, it's very expensive, and I'm happy that I get that passed down and you, or hopefully get that passed
0: down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all about the hope. Thank you. <laughs> all right, thank you. All right, I need another little whippersnapper. Give me one other little kid. Tell me about the best Christmas gift you ever got, a little fella. Go ahead. Talk loud. You want to tell me there? Huh? You can't remember now all of a sudden? One more. Come on. Best present you ever got. He's gonna come up here, and tell it on the mountain. Where are you going? You forgot. Come on, old stranger, Give me, give me the best present you ever got. Where's it? Titus? You'll tell me. What's the best present you ever got, Titus? A Nerf, a Nerf bow, a uh, Nerf bow. That's good stuff, man. Shoot your brother and sister and stuff. Uh, older person, somebody like sixty-five and up. One of you, one of this. Further on up, generally. Best present you ever got. Best Christmas gift you ever got. Don't make me call on you, Jenny. Oh, 65 and up, sorry. Come on. Well, you guys got some energy there. Let's, let's hear it. Best thing you remember. When you're a child and you really look, and you got it, and you're like, man, this is good. Nothing? Man, this is a tough crap. Oh. You still got it? good the memory attached that good well she's not 65 just so you know I just want you to know it. that's good okay all right well when there okay come on bring it on bring it on there six I should have said 60 enough I didn't know it was such a narrow window there sorry all right go ahead Christy Yeah, I'm going to tell you uh, on that one, on that note, one year in Houston where it never, ever, never, ever snows, not ever, not ever, there must have been some serious praying going on because one year they got four inches of snow on Christmas Day in Houston. And I was like, man, you want to talk about an answer to prayer? There were some kids. like <laughs> There was a lot of people brought to Christ that day. That's all I know. Man, cause when it snow it never snowed in Houston growing up there. So, um, So in Peru, and there's no... There's nothing wrong with the conversation we just had, truly, truly. nothing wrong with that. It's good to get presents and receive gifts from our parents and things like that. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, 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 <laughs> I really hope to get this one pellet gun for Christmas. I was telling Ray this when I was a kid. And I saw Dad looking at one like in the Western Union or, or what they call it, Western Auto. Remember those, Western Auto? And he was looking at one little pellet pistol fit in the box about this long. Ago. I was like, and there was this box under the tree, and it weighed... Uh, and it had my name on it, I was like, Callie is in big trouble." <laughs> I'm gonna wear her out when I get this thing. No, uh, anyway, I just knew that's what it was, man. I knew it. And Christmas Day, I tore that thing open, and it was a hatchet. My dad said, "You see that big rose bush in the ditch, son? I want you to cut that thing out with that hatchet." I'm like, "Biggest downer present ever," you know. Promptly cut the tip of my finger off with the hatchet, you know. Anyway. Um, so I asked the kids in Peru, I asked them the same question. Now, these, these, a lot of these kids were kids that were, in, that were coming to Pastor Elias' church or in, you know, of course, they have Catholicism very Catholicism very strong there and stuff, and they don't receive a lot of material things. In fact, uh, uh, two or three places that we went, I know this was the first year that they ever received a gift on Christmas, which is hard for us to relate to. But, and so I said, what's the best Christ gift you ever got at Christmas? Uh, Jesus I'm like, all right, that's good, that's a good answer, good answer. Uh, What's the best gift you ever got? Jesus Christ saved me. It was a gift. Uh, He came as a baby and saved us. All right, shut up, kid. What about over here? (laughs) Same thing over and over. And uh, that was extremely telling to me how much value they gave to the gift of God sending his son. We, We attach value to things, and they attach value to life. And I thought that was real interesting. There's no slight in enjoying a gift. And Aubrey, that was real sweet the way you said that. Um, the value in the, though the the thing is expensive, the value to her is that it was for grandmothers. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to Walmart and buying one. The value was that it? it was a heirloom there like that. So uh, so uh, if I can tell you one little thing there before you kids go. Um, so we packed up about 25 I don't know, 25, 30, whatever it was, say 30, of these little backpack things. The problem was, the first town we go to, they got like 50 kids. Then we go to another town, they got 50 kids. We go to another town, they got 100 kids. So we, the first thing we do is we dump out all the stuff, and we start giving it just in little pieces here and there. And something really little and silly, like the water bottle, or a bar of soap, or that backpack was, we should have took 200 of them things. It's just... Uh, Bag with two strings on it, but it's very functional and it's something they don't have. And so they were real excited about that stuff. And then we gave the bars of soaps to the teenagers because you know how they smell. And uh, we just—they were very excited to receive those things. And um, and to do that, we did. Uh, um, you know, you know how you do, poor kids, man. You like, listen, you have to sit here and listen to the message first. They're like, they're, man, they're red, they're feet stomping, they're fidgeting, and you know. Yeah, we'll listen to this, you know. Anyone who wants to accept Christ, I do. When do we get the presents, you know? But uh, we did. We went through the gospel message with them each time, first, and in in one case, the only thing we gave them was like a, a like a lolly like a sucker or a lollipop, whatever you call it. Um, And we had a big bag of candy, and it was like the loaves and fishes. Man, them kids kept coming. I mean, they kept coming. I'm like, like Lassie, go get help. Warren, go get some more candy, man. And we had just enough in the bag that we had brought, truly, of them suckers to give to them, and and uh, and we had Ray just kind of—he had a little Santa Claus hat and had him just sit on stage, and they hugged him and kissed him, and they were enamored with his beard and and uh, you know, but to receive a sucker at Christmas as your only gift, and to be completely satisfied with that, because if you don't get that, you don't get nothing. That's a big deal, and to hear the gospel like that um, was. It was a great blessing to us to see them receive the gospel, to see them understand the gospel, the parents that came. We gave the gospel to the kids. Of course, the kids are tearing up Job, and they got their little presents and whatever as we had split them up so many dip, smaller and smaller and smaller. And by the end, we're giving away pieces of gum and packets of gum and stuff, and that's your present, you know. And, uh, and Bible tracts and wristbands. We gave out a ton of wristbands, went through the, the colored wristband with them, with the soccer ball and with the, with the little card stuff. And as far as evangelism, we probably did as much evangelism that way as we would ever do on a trip. But I'll tell you all that to tell you this. At least three times I heard this same sentence, at least three times in three different locations. Uh, You must really care about us because you keep coming back. That's pretty positive, right? You must really care about us. You keep coming back. And one guy even said, must be what you're telling us about the gospel must be true because you keep coming back. I mean I can live with that it doesn't the cost of the thing the cost of the trip becomes less of a factor now because if you care about us you keep coming back come here on uh, this uh, Miss, Miss Abby please come I have Abby read our verse of the day I got it right there got it in the old KJV because Abby knows that she's old she's an old school girl right here the daddy taught her Turn your Bible there, uh, Matthew one. Uh, am I right there? No, Matthew two one through twelve. Give me just a second. You there, Matthew two one through twelve. You there? If you're if you're getting there, she's going to start.
2: Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Her- Herod. Herod. The king, behold, there came wise men from the east up to Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him." When Herod the king had heard these things, he was tr- troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes all of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this, for thus is. It is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, art n- art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of the sh- for out of the- thee shall come a governor a governor, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had he had heard, the wise men inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently. For the young child, and when ye have found them, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him unto gifts. They presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way.
0: Thank you. Whippersnappers, you can go. We sent out a, an Advent deal for you there. It's it's the, the list of it. Uh, yeah, that's five yeah. And then on the back, it had some extra things you could do for this week, this week of Christmas. And uh, sorry, feedback. Sorry. Um. And what I wanted to, what I saw on there as I read Matthew two one through twelve, is it goes right along with what we just experienced there in Peru. You must really care about us because you keep coming back. You mu- this must really be true, this gospel message you're bringing, because you keep bringing it. Um, I told you a few weeks ago about these men from the east that came, and the way they heard the word, the way they heard the word, one way, was through Daniel, the prophet Daniel. He was there. They, he, that's the region they came from, is that Syria, Persia, up in that area. And that's where these guys are coming from and they they had heard that a king was to be born a messiah and a savior of men that he was to be born and they and they they knew about it because they had read the scriptures or else the scriptures had been told to them and one of the scriptures that they read was back there in numbers uh chapters 22 through 24 and it's balaam about balaam now balaam and this this has a point here just follow with me we talked about balaam a couple weeks ago huh did you talk about balaam last week I ought to send <laughs> no. Okay. Okay, so Balaam Balaam's really critical here. For one thing, Balaam's a Gentile. It says that he's with these foreign gods. Did we talk about that last week? Good. Thank you. Man, I got one no. No. So Balaam's with these foreign gods. He's not he's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He's not an Israelite. He's not a God fearing man, so to speak. So God's going to send a message through a Gentile. Not only that, he's a Gentile and an enemy of God and an enemy of God's people. God's going to use this enemy of God's people to send a message so that the wise men, future Gentiles, 4,000 years later, more or less, are going to hear the word, they're going to study the word, and they're going to know that there was a messenger sent before, his name was Balaam, And he's passing the word to them that this king is going to be born in this future town in Bethlehem and that there's going to be a star involved. It seems like a crazy thing. And really, if you look at it, what you should grasp from that is that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess under heaven on earth to the glory of God the Father. That's what you should grasp. Because you can be an enemy of God and when God sovereignly calls your name, You're going to bow the knee. You're going to bow the knee. You can be as confident in who you are as a person. You can be the wealthiest man alive. You can be the most godless man alive, or you can be the most God-fearing man alive. But at the name of Jesus, every single knee will bow. God will use you for his sovereign purpose, whether you want to be used or not. And that's the truth. I want to focus on the fact today that Jesus came to save Gentiles too. You know, all of us here, for the most part, I would say, everyone in this room, I would hope, would say that they were a follower of Jesus Christ, or they're a believer in Jesus. Christ. It may not be a, may not be an avid follower. Maybe still figuring it out, learning the ropes, or whatever. But you believe that there was a man, the Son of God, came to Earth in the form of a man, lived a sinless life, so on, died on the cross, buried, rose again three days later. You know, you believe. To be true that this man existed in time but in this time here when we're talking about balaam way before christ or we're talking about the time of christ this was not common for gentiles to accept the god of the israelites for one thing they, they had their own gods the the gentiles had these war gods that if we won the we won a battle then our god must be more powerful than your god and recently the israelites have been having it handed to them every time they get into conflict They're losing. They're the enslaved people. When Balaam sees them, they're coming out of slavery. They've been in slavery for 400 years. I mean, how much confidence can you have in a God uh, that allows his people to be enslaved for 400 years? Again, in the time of Daniel, they've been enslaved for another 70 years. Now here we are at the time of Christ. They're enslaved by the Roman Empire. Then they're going to be enslaved by the Greek Empire. Then they're going to be kicked out of Jerusalem and on and on and on and on and they just their god has no power. As men look at Israel, they would have to say their god has no power cuz he keeps putting them in slavery, right? How come they're not the victorious one? So when Balaam goes to speak out against this powerless god, the only thing, the only words his mouth can make are ones that praise this god of the universe and the god of these people. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so by the time of Christ there's this huge separation between the israelites or the jews and everyone else everyone else has these false gods and the jews have these and so it should be a miracle to you as you as you read this you don't realize this because you've been so blessed to be raised in the united states of america to hear the word of god at some point in your life maybe multiple times to have the opportunity to believe in christ so you just assume that i'm a gentile i should be saved but there's a huge separation between God's chosen people and the Gentile nations, and I want to show you that. I saw a testimony. I read this. This has been years ago. Um, I heard this lady's testimony. It's in Genesis 9, 26 and 27, but this lady, this Jewish lady, is reading the Bible, and she runs across this really obscure passage. You know, you got got Noah coming off the ark, and he's got three sons, right, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. One of them gets his name changed to Canaan because he sins against his father, Ham does. And there's a curse affiliated with his name, okay, Canaan. His name is changed from Ham to Canaan. He looks on his dad in his nakedness, his drunkenness. He shames him, attempts to shame from his brothers. And so God changes his name, Noah changes his name to Canaan. And then he puts this blessing down on his sons. He says, Shem, you're going to be blessed. Canaan's going to be your servant. Jacob, you're going to be blessed. Canaan's going to be your servant. But then he says a weird thing. It says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. A Jewish lady read this verse and said, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Tell me how. Here's how. She looked at the word of God and saw that the line of Shem is the line that the Hebrews come through. She looked at the word of God and saw the line of Japheth, is where the Gentiles come through, and she realizes that the line of Canaan is where your Arabic nations, your African nations, where that comes through. Okay? So she looks at it and she goes, why is Japheth getting the benefit of dwelling under the Hebrew tent? How does Japheth get the better blessing? So she looks at the world and she says, who is the most blessed people in the world? Why Christians are They're dwelling in our tents. They've stolen our Messiah. And she recognizes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah because Japheth is dwelling in the Hebrew tent. Jesus Christ is a a Hebrew. Jealousy is a great motivator, man. I want you to go to Romans. Romans chapter 10. I uh, was talking to old uh, Eric Herb this morning. It was really funny. He was talking, where's my Ostrander man? Oh, oh he's helping. Darn. Anyway, he was talking about the, the three Ostrander boys and what a bunch of bandits they were as kids and how competitive they were. And Grace was spilling the beans on them, too, you know. And, uh, I mean, the reason Isaac's probably so good at sports and was such an athlete was because he was in direct competition with two gorillas that were keeping him beat down as a kid, you know. If you ever met his brother Daniel, man, the guy, he's like Zach, man. He's just a moose. And uh, and then Caleb's, you know, was older than him and just I mean, they just owned him, you know. And so therefore Isaac became the great football player and athlete that he is, you know. Because that motivation, that competitive motivation, the jealousy or whatever you want to call it, drove him to be the athlete, you know. Romans ten, fourteen through twenty one. How this doesn't sound like it's gonna go where you're thinking it's going, but I'm telling you this is where it's at. How shall they then call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and to the words of the and their words to the ends of the world but i say did israel not know oh went to the whole world you're gonna tell me israel who heard it first you telling me they don't know did israel not know first moses says i will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation and i will move you to anger by a foolish nation who's that it's the gentile but isaiah is very bold and says i was found by those who did not seek me and i was made manifest to those who did not ask for me but to Israel, he says, all day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Thank you, Lord, that the Jews are so dang contrary. That's the only way we get the gospel. Turn to page 1114, 1113 to 15. For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as if I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Uh, by the way, this is a Jew speaking. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if they're being cast away as the reconciling of the world what will their acceptance be but life from the dead paul recognized that jesus christ came to the jew first but the jew rejected him and luckily for us the gentile embraced him now i say it, not all jews have rejected christ and there's a number in fact there's a great coming to christ now of the jewish people there really is more so than ever before There's a reconciliation of the Jewish people back to the land of promise. They're moving there in droves. They're they're gaining many, many people by the day of Jews moving uh, the reverse exodus, going back to the land, back to the land. Well, I guess it's another exodus. They're going back to the land, you know. And for the, so God is going to use the Gentile nations to provoke the Jews to jealousy in order to draw them to the Messiah. Let me ask. This is this is. I was thinking about this. I was like, the Messiah is always proclaimed to the Jew first. Abraham is called a Hebrew. He's the first one called a Hebrew. God reveals Himself to Abraham first. Um, when we see the angels proclaim the glory of God that Christ has been born, who does He proclaim it to? He proclaims it to the shepherds first, the Jewish shepherds, and then the wise men get the word. The Jews get it first. They always get it first. Romans uh, one sixteen. for I'm not ashamed. We, we memorize this verse. You guys know this verse. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it's the power of God, unto salvation. And then we quit. When we memorized that in church when I was a kid or or if you were in a one as your kid, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God, unto salvation. But the rest of the verse goes to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. That's how it goes. Remember that, Amanda? We only memorized the first part, but it's to the Jew first. How blessed are we as Gentiles to receive the word. Many kids, like I said, memorized that, and we stopped at the power of God unto salvation. Acts 1.8. What's the order? What's the order, Jed? Jerusalem? Judea? Oh, to the Jew first. Samaritan, which is half and half, and then ends the earth, to the Jew first. The Jew gets it first. Matthew 15, 24, Jesus says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus says himself that I came to the Jew first. But he says, you wouldn't hear me when he comes into Jerusalem. says he's weeping. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You killed the prophets. Now you've got to give it up to the Gentiles. Thank you, Lord, for God's abundant grace you realize that God in his sovereignty did not have to offer us any kind of gift of eternal life whatsoever. If man is naturally an enemy of God, and particularly those of the Canaanite line or the the line of Japheth, where we're doing our our own thing, we've got our own gods, our own materialism, we've got our own houses and lands, what do we need him for? For him to offer that to us is a blessing far beyond anything we can grasp. He offers it to his chosen people, and only when his chosen people reject it doesn't give it to everyone else. And it's part of his design, part of his divine design and sovereign plan for the world, for all of mankind, that this group of people would hear the word and they would actually be chosen to protect it and carry it. That's what the day of Pentecost is all about. That's why the Jews celebrate Pentecost today, because the word was assigned to them to protect and carry. And that's what Paul mentions about them, that they were the ones that got to protect the word of God and what a blessing that was to them. If you, have the, if you, um, if you create something, we, make, we always got to go back to the clay analogy because we all played with clay as children or mud, and you make something. If you create it, you have every right to destroy it. You have every right to make it how you desire. You make a teapot out of clay or, or a mud pie out of clay, and you decide to just stomp it back into the mud or destroy it or throw it away or, or bake it or use it. It's completely up to you as creator god the creator of all men he designed a certain particular group of people the jews and he said these are my special chosen people i have a design for them and only after they reject him time and time again well i say that that's not true because right from the tabernacle he made a place for those in the outer court that they could come and worship him as well there's always some that see him as the true messiah always the centurion Uh, Cornelius there was a number there in the Old Testament for sure the Gideonites Um, anyway God in his long suffering kindness uh, that that loving kindness combined with long suffering mercy has from the earliest of creation made a place for the Gentile nations in his body he had a plan from adam it says adam called his wife's name eve because she was the mother of all the living from the very first he had a plan to save all mankind all the living and it was passed on from there to noah who has three sons so though all of the world's population is divided into three bloodlines shem Ham, and japheth until we get to Abraham, and then it's divided again out of one of those, the, the, the line of Shem. The line of Shem is divided into two, Isaac and Ishmael. So we got the, the uh, Arabic and the Jewish line coming out of there. So a specialized, like you know, a refined line coming out of there. And he's always made a place, though. He's always made a place for the remnant, for those that would believe, that may not be of the chosen, but that would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, to the glory of God the Father. Psalm 86 Psalm eighty-six is one of the verses in your thing this week, right? And Psalm 86 is just solid. You read that, you're just going to be crying like a baby. But when you see there, it says, 8 and 9, it says, Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Whenever you see nations in the Bible, we've talked about this before, it's talking about everybody but the Jews. God opened a door for all nations to be brought to the Messiah. Isaiah 42, uh, 1 through 4. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. It's there in Matthew, uh, uh, same verse. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Who? The Messiah will. The Messiah, when it was talking about the Messiah in Matthew and that he was coming, it's in Matthew 2, is it not? It's not it's in Luke. Maybe in Luke. But uh, uh, when you see that, he's going to bring forth justice. He's going to bring forth a way to the Gentile. Luke 2.10, speaking to the Jewish shepherds. So the angels appear to the Jewish shepherds, it says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. He doesn't say, I bring you good news of great tidings of, of good tidings of great joy that will be to all Israelites or all Jews or all levites or all of the priesthood but to all people the fact that jesus comes opens a door for all people to have relationship with god the father the god of creation sent his only begotten son equal in status to himself to the father to the earth in order that all people could receive um the gift of eternal life all of creation could be saved we're looking for that in Revelation. He's going to remake the heavens and the earth so that it can be like it's supposed to be. But there has to be an opportunity for all people. He's a righteous God, he's a just God, and he's a good God. If he was truly righteous and truly just, we would have no chance. But he's a good God. He's a merciful God. Because he's merciful and good, he makes a, he makes a window of opportunity for the Gentiles. One of the biggest things, uh, Matthew 1, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And in verse 23 says, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. It was to the Jew first. He was in their midst. They had a chance to embrace him, to love him, to worship him, to recognize him as the Messiah right then. If if that happens in that moment, we don't exist today. That's the end. If those people repent, if the Israelites repent, recognize him as the Messiah right then, that's the end of the world right then. But by God's grace and his goodness, that's just the beginning because it opens the door for us. One of the big things I was really struck with this last trip, like I told you, was the fact that they kept talking about us being messengers. Well, you keep coming back. You must like us, <laughs> especially the, the gringos. You know, it's one thing for another Peruvian to come, but for a gringo to come, for a white man to come, a Mazungu to come, it's a big deal. They they kept saying that how far away? It's like six, seven hours on the first flight, and then it's two more hours. Yeah, it's a long way. I was thirty four hundred miles, I think, is about what it is from if you out from Nashville, if you just drove straight, you know, whatever, fly drove, boat, it's about thirty four hundred miles. That's a long way. Um so when I, I so they kept talking about us being messengers, the fact that we came and so on. And so I was I, you know, I got to reading, you know, how when you when maybe you don't, but when I read a lot of times the same thing will start to come out to me in different verses that I'm reading and whatever I'm dwelling on right then, it just keeps coming, like keeps coming, keeps coming, I keep coming back to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was this messenger, this picture of Elijah that had to come before the Christ. And uh, not equating myself or any of us to John the Baptist, but God always sends a messenger. And he keeps sending messengers. No matter how they treat the messenger, that's the other thing. So we had Adam, and the first messenger is called is Abel. If we go back to Hebrews, remember how it talked about Abel? He gets a plug in there for being faithful. He's the first messenger. Enoch's a messenger. Methuselah's a messenger. In your day it will come. That's what his name means. Talking about the flood, he's a messenger. Noah, the man of righteousness, he's a messenger. For 150 years he preaches the word of God in front of the ark and says, so "Come, you know, any who would be saved." 150 years. He's a messenger. And then Abraham. Well, um, you know, whatever. Yeah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. They're all messengers. Moses is a messenger. Moses allows Gentile people to worship with the Jews inside the camp. That's something. That's showing that God cares both about the Jew and the Greek, which we follow. So those messengers, to the point of the prophets, to the point of John the Baptist, right before Christ. And over and over, the messenger that brings a strong word is persecuted for whatever reason. Because they're telling people that a, there is a God, he's a God of wrath, but he's also a God of love. He's a God of judgment, but he's a God of mercy. And this God cares about what you're doing, and he made you as a creation to obey him and do his will. And we as people say, you know what, I don't really like the message, man. I mean, I like a God that loves me, but I like the God that loves me and lets me do what I want. But just like the parent that allows a child to do what he wants, that kid ends up in jail. So this God, he's a God of wrath and of mercy, a God of love and of judgment. And when we give that message, persecution comes. So all the way through to John the Baptist, we have the messenger. Then we have the Christ, the ultimate messenger. And then after him, we have the apostles and the disciples and the martyrs and the John Bunyan's and the Jonathan Edwards and the and the uh, the reformers the Martin Luthers, and the John Huss, and then, and then the George Mueller. You know George Mueller, the guy with the orphanage and all that? Then we got Spurgeon. But then we got people after him, Billy Sunday. We got Billy Graham. And the messenger always goes before, and he keeps telling the message. And people keep hearing the message, and people, people keep being brought back to Christ. But he, every time he sends a messenger, it goes to the Jew first. The Jews have heard the message, they've heard the message. you know that Martin Luther, that was his biggest thing, is when he first uh, recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, um, what was it, sola scriptura, when he first, huh, sola scriptura, right, uh, sola fide, sola scriptura, and he realized that, oh, you know, by faith alone, by scriptures alone, and he realized that, and he reads the scriptures, like, dang, this is to the Jew first. So he goes to the Jews, and what do the Jews do to Martin Luther? They reject his message, and what does Martin Luther do to the Jews? He doesn't like them. That's what happens. It doesn't end well for either of them. But the point is, it always goes to the Jew first. Always. And God calls us to go to the Jew first today. And I was talking to someone recently, and I thought, was it Tony? us said he had witnessed to a Jewish man recently, and they had accepted Christ. I witnessed to one Jewish person that I know accepted Christ in that. Her name was Esther, for crying out loud. And, um, And I had taken the time to write a bunch of scriptures in the Bible, and then uh, it was when I went on a mission trip. And Christy, you remember that girl, Esther? She was a nurse on that first trip, anyway. Um, and she accepted Christ before we left that trip, I gave her a Bible. And she was like, I never would have thought that this would be anything that I could believe in. But when she saw the work that we did, and it was in Peru, too, yeah. Uh, saw the work that we did, she believed the messenger. It was a good thing uh, to the Jew first. I'm going to ask um, Jed and sarah to come we're going to sing a song it's a really old song i looked up the history of it this morning oh come oh come emmanuel and then i have a little word after that but 1200 years ago this hymn was written we're not going to read all the verses it's like seven verses each verse it was an acronym each verse had a purpose and the goal was at the end of all the all the verses it made a sentence and the sentence said i will be present tomorrow and that was the purpose of the hymn. I'll be present tomorrow. so let's let's sing this first this uh, song together. Let me get this other microphone going for them.
1: You're welcome to join us in singing the words will be on the screen. Yeah Let's stand together and sing this.
0: We're celebrating that return. Let me see. Let me see, we're we're celebrating the return of the Messiah's birth, right? Um, and I think at times we forgot the messengers that went before, and not only that, but that we're called to be messengers. If Jesus comes and he's just a baby, you've probably heard this before. It's a an old, you know, pithy statement. But if he comes and he just stays a baby, um, there was there was a movie they actually made fun of it. I like to think of Jesus as a baby, cute little baby in the manger. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, keep him. in the baby in the manger, he's, he's nothing. But he's not a baby today. He's the king of kings. And there's going to be a day when we have to stand before him in judgment. And, th- and that, that verse, man, it's just struck me about, depart from me, you doer of iniquity, I never knew you. Do you know him? we got to know him from beyond. The, the. Most people know him as a baby. Messengers were sent to tell of his coming. He came as a baby. But he didn't stay a baby. He became a man sinless man, he died on the cross for us and that was a wonderful thing so I just keep hearing those words that they said um, you must really care about us because you sent a messenger do you really care about your fellow men or is this all there is to church is this right here in this time where you get fed and you receive and you take because the Messiah came from us to, came for us to save us and he gave the message to you to be a messenger to go to the nations to the Jew person and into the whole world and give them the message of the Messiah, okay? Psalm uh, 117. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you people, for his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's say praise the Lord together. On. We, don't, we never get to say that, man. We need some, need some energy in here. Let's say, let's get a praise the Lord. If it ain't good enough, we're going to do it again. You Ready? On three. One, two, three. Praise, praise the Lord. Lord. Come on, Zach. I've seen you yell at your worker one time better than that. Come on. On three. One, two, three. Praise, Praise the Lord. I don't know. His workers were more afraid. Father, this morning, we thank you for your goodness. Oh, oh man. Old oh, man would see the goodness of God, the goodness of the Lord, and his merciful kindness to, his, to the children of men. Father, have mercy on us, a bunch of sinners, Lord. We come before you as humbly as we know how. We recognize that you sent them. You sent a messenger before, you sent multiple messengers, and they wouldn't hear your word. Lord, I pray for our town this week, Lord, as we're out there, there's a better chance than ever to give the gospel to the nations, and starting right here in Cumberland County, that we could that we could be here together and just give the message to one another, encourage one another with the gospel message, that we could rejoice, rejoice, oh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel came, that we could be present here together. And that we would go out of here, messengers, Lord, continue the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. Have mercy on us for our for our cowardliness to not present your word to others, Lord, that are the sick and the dying, the lost, the confused, the separated from you, Lord. I pray for your conviction of spirit on us for boldness in these that have that are here. I thank you, Lord, for these that have been saved, these that have been baptized for the remission of their sins, these that have come and received your glorious goodness on their lives lord i pray that we wouldn't hold on to that in a selfish manner but we would be generous with it as we give it to others as we walk about in our day-to-day lord father i pray for the different families here i know uh, that this is our family our church family lord and that you have blessed it greatly and you're working in ways that like uh, Isaiah or, uh jeremiah 33 says that you're you're going to show us great and wonderful things we do not know and you're working on some great and wonderful things that we don't know for this upcoming year just yet, Lord. And I pray that as you reveal those things to us, that we will be enthusiastic in grabbing onto them and seeking to do your will above all. I pray as these people go and they have their time with their families, Lord, it would be a time of peace, uh, peacefulness with their family. I pray that there would be uh, a time of them rejoicing and of giving the gospel to their family first and into the nations. Thank you, Lord, for all these that have come. Thank you for this place. Thank you for the food in the hands of your prayer, Lord. And uh, thank you for your good gift that you gave us in the, in the bringing of